Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 83 for Tuesday, October 13th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Alex Rudy, Farbod Markazi, and Ray Estrada. How are you guys doing? Doing good. It sounded like you were deciding who to say it first there. Uh, okay, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty sure I say like a different order every time. Maybe. I know, there is Do no I? order, but like there was, <laughs> there was a hesitation of like, I'm here today with uh, like, who am I here with? It's <laughs> it's different every time. No, um, they're they're always here. They're they're champs here here in the the early hours of the morning to get this one you done. You just say yeah. different names each time, even though it's just still us to shake things up. <laughs> yes, maybe maybe I could do that. John, Tyler, Jared, and Mike, and we have to decide who each of us is. Okay, Mike. good good brainstorming sesh to start it off here. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. The uh, The postseason is, is full force. We're going to be given division series recaps later on. We'll give you the, the updates on the championship series going on right now. And uh, I, I think it's appropriate that we talk about the, uh, the NBA bubble as well because they just finished up their season and compared to the MLB mm, going... Lakers. Go Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Kobe. For Kobe. It Job's is. Finished. Now, now that now that all that's there, we can actually like reflect on on how the bubble went and how much better it was than MLB's response, and kind of compare the two. Uh, so we'll do it. Better than MLB, the NFL, everything. Yeah, we'll 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 do a little Spoilers bit of that later on, and um, yeah. So let's let's just go ahead and get right into it with uh with some news that just broke this morning. Actually, uh, not so fun news if you're a Dodgers fan. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is not going to be starting game two for them. He was scratched with back spasms, and that means Tony Gonsolin's going to get the start, and the Dodgers, who are down 1-0 in the series to Atlanta already, will have to, uh, will have to wait for, for their, maybe not their ace anymore, but, you know, they're one of their top starters to, to get back out there. He's hopeful to be ready for game four possibly even game three it, back spasms are a little bit difficult to to pinpoint you know how how the recovery time is with those but uh ray how, how do you feel about the series so far down a game don't have your number two starter going in game two um um yeah i mean the braves are a good team for some reason i have like no anxiety about the series maybe because it's all being spent on the astros um series but uh <laughs> um the Braves are a good team. Their pitching showed out last night, and then the offense came through against to the Dodgers' better bullpen arms. Gosselin hasn't pitched all postseason. It'll be interesting. Um, I was surprised he didn't start Game Three last uh, last series, but I mean, he's shown to be very good this year. So hopefully he continues that, gives us a good start, and the and hopefully the uh, bats kind of wake up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and the Braves won game one yesterday with a really messy lineup situation that they were dealing with. Well, mm-hmm. Adam Duvall left early with an injury, which kind of threw yeah. and he is out for the series. Everything now. into the motion. Yeah, but then you know by there was one inning where they they made a bunch of bunch of yeah. changes. Their like their whole outfield shifted around because you had like Char- Charlie Culberson pinch hitting in there. They got down and, to only their backup catcher left on the bench. And Tyler Flowers. Yeah, it was a it was a messy game that the Braves they just got it done. They they hit when it mattered the most against mm-hmm. the Dodgers bullpen. All their RBIs came in two hits or two strikes. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. So 
this that's good it's a good series so far it will continue to be a good series um so on that you know on that side of it it's it's still going pretty early on they actually um will be playing today at 3 p.m pacific time uh, i guess they they flip-flopped the prime time schedules um because the rays and the astros have been playing afternoon games the first two games well, they played prime time. No, they the did on Sunday because they uh, were alone. Because they were the only game there, head to head with the, the NBA Finals uh, game, yes. which I'm sure got tons of viewership. Um, so they they are actually flip flopping the prime time games with these, which I guess is good, depending on who you're a fan of. And that's interesting because <laughs> we just talked about that last week, so maybe they were paying attention to what we're saying. Uh, probably not though. So. Let's let's talk about the Rays and Astros series as well, because as you mentioned, all the anxiety is being spent on getting the Astros out of the playoffs. Under five hundred this season, of course, the, the the culprits of the biggest cheating scandal that I can remember in in sports in in my lifetime for sure, and probably yeah, like one of the biggest of all time. But honestly, kind of been brushed under the rug. And now, now every every fan just wants to see them lose more than anything. The Rays are doing their part. They're up two zero in the series. They won game one two to one. Amazing bullpen and defense is kind of how they always get it done. And then yesterday, kind of the same formula. Manuel Margot hit three big three run home run and made an amazing catch going over the right field foul wall, which that wall looks super dangerous. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and like I don't even know why that wall's there, but he he made quite a catch. Arguably, like you could argue between that catch and the um, and the Cody Bellinger home run robbery from the division series as like the best defensive plays of the playoffs so far. But um, but yeah, Rays are uh, are getting it done against the Astros for now. The Astros have stranded twenty one runners on base in two games they're two for 21 with runners in scoring position uh so that's what you love to see um anything else to uh to add on the on the current matchups going on any more fta sentiment that you want to share no okay well with that <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna talk division series because those are series that are done those are ones that we can actually like break down and have had some time to uh to think about and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the teams that got eliminated too and what their their outlook is um so yeah let's start with the Braves and Marlins series which was an absolute slaughter 3-0 to the Braves the Marlins got shut out in games two and game three uh did not make it very close when it was all said and done so that is their first postseason series loss ever the Marlins get defeated by the Braves they're not the World Series champions this year. It was likely to happen, but are, are you guys sad about that that fun little piece of trivia just being gone forever now? Yes. I'm just sad that they went. They had the audacity to go through the first round, but then not the second. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> Way of disgrace. Um, yeah, but, I mean... None of us really expected them to go this far. So uh, I, good I, I, I think two. I think two of us at least. Poss- I can't remember. Possibly even three of us um, predicted 
the Marlins to win this series because, and like to quote you guys, you said that they they haven't lost yet. Why would you bet against them? Yeah, uh, for no other <laughs> reason. I I chose them because I chose against them against the Cubs, and clearly the Cubs were the better on paper team. So I was like, I'm not making that mistake again against the Braves. But <laughs> yeah, Braves are the Braves. Yeah, and and honestly, the Marlins are still kind of the Marlins. They had a magical little two month season. But their outlook is not necessarily a whole lot better than it was before this year. Uh, Rudy, I'll, I'll ask you first. Like, what's what's the outlook like for the Marlins next year? They they clearly haven't made the jump to a playoff team, especially in a regular season. So, like, where do they go from here? Well, Don't get COVID. I think I don't know if I totally agree with the take that they haven't made the jump. Clearly, if we're assuming next year that this expanded playoff format comes back. I don't think Okay, I, I wasn't assuming that. Not well all the evidence seems to be towards the contrary. So I feel like that should be the context that we're discussing right now. I mean you know I mean I can answer it if it isn't, but from my knowledge it is probably here to stay. But okay, for the sake of discussion let's just say anyway, since you know the Phillies, the Mets um, the national is all going to be probably better next year as well. I mean, I think so. The the NL East is obviously a pretty competitive division at that tier of team level. I, I really think that this season was a positive for them, obviously, and I think that will give them some extra room and time from management and the fans to continue this rebuild. And I think, considering the starting pitching developments they've made this season um, just showcasing so many young arms I, I personally think they're actually in a really good place I know we've kind of hashed that out um, the uh, in hindsight analysts of their you know past rebuild moves but at the moment I mean I feel like you know at the end of the day young pitching is probably maybe the most valuable commodity to have and they have a surplus of that so I can do a pretty good place um, I'll, I'll contest that they actually don't really have a surplus of starting pitching. They have a, a good two, two to three starting pitchers that they've developed. Um, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, you know, they, they're not rookies. They've been around. Sixto Sanchez does look like a really dynamic rookie and might be the big difference maker. But even, even then, like, yes, those are good young pitchers, but that's, that's a, about the extent of it like that's not to say they don't have more in the pipeline coming but you know that's i don't know if that's a surplus um i'll ask you too farbo just about like the the construction of this roster it was a a pieced together roster that wasn't relying on any sort of long-term mission like they they went out and got guys like Corey dickerson and jesus aguilar on on short contracts and this is kind of what the the plan was all along is to fill it fill a team with baseball players especially after COVID hit they were like we need a team of baseball players who can go out there and get it done and they did this year but this is not a team like a roster that inspires confidence really like I don't I don't know like oh, what that, what that pieces was a really long question so um... I, my my question is just like what what pieces <laughs> of this roster what pieces of this <laughs> roster are are actually like gonna stay or actually be impactful in the future 
I mean, I think you're definitely right about how they did have to piece their roster together, and that was even before COVID. Um, they obviously have a lot of guys that they're not that just aren't like franchise guys and guys that you're just gonna you're you're expecting to take be on the next Marlins championship team. But they also have like a pretty solid, um, as Rudy said, pretty solid like core of like the starting pitching. They don't have a surplus, but they have the pitching. They have um, good young talent right now. Sixo Sanchez is um, is very very uh, promising right now. Uh, just just watching him pitch, um, I'm glad to have him on my fantasy team. But I I think <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I think with uh, the Marlins, I said it two or three podcasts ago, but I'll say it again. I think they're a couple years out, but I like where their trajectory is going. I if they go back to regular playoff structure, I don't, I don't foresee them making the playoffs next year. Uh, I mean, even if they keep the playoff structure but play the 162, that they could still be pretty weak, especially offensively, um, and have some. We know we know how young pitching might have a good stretch of a couple months but then um start struggling after a little bit we didn't see that for the full 162 games this year um so it this team does have a lot of questions i'm optimistic about their trajectory but i think obviously their first order of business is to make sure they don't go out and get COVID next year (laughs) setting the bar real low in terms of their their team goals um yeah i honestly maybe we shouldn't even spend that much time on their outlook because they're a little bit farther away than some of the other teams that got wiped out of the playoffs you that we're going to talk about. Well, I did, you know, it's it's for the sake of, of interesting conversation, but the a lot of the discussion didn't didn't persuade me to believe in their in their future, unfortunately. So, let's let's talk about some of the Ouch. other <laughs> That wasn't meant okay. <laughs> the, let's talk about the Dodgers and the Padres series where the Dodgers showed that they're still the kings of the NL West. They swept the Padres. It was a close series when it comes down to like some of the game-by-game stuff, particularly Game 2, in which the Dodgers led 6-3 entering the ninth inning, and then the Kenley Jansen-Joe Kelly experience wound up with a 6-5 game, stranding the bases loaded to end it. So that was a real roller coaster ride of a game. That happened right there. Uh, how 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 did that one feel, Ray? Um, that that wasn't good for my health. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jansen came in, got the first out, and then, I mean, good pitches to Cronenworth. They just battled and got on, and then yeah, just he's just not. He just doesn't swing and miss stuff. He has to spot it, and when he doesn't spot it, he's either walking or giving up hard hits. So. Is he going? He brought in a non-strike thrower in Joe Kelly, which, which hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's always an experience. Is Jansen gonna get more save opportunities this this postseason? Just I yes honestly or no? don't know. Um, I honestly don't know. I think I think he does. He might get one more. But do you want he, him yeah. to? I do. I want him to to somehow find something. He hit ninety four in that outing early on in that outing i want him to find something that you know he can be a reliable bullpen piece maybe not necessarily a closer but just turn back into reliable because 
like the way he looks is like do you necessarily want him to even pitch in any you know hold situation let alone a safe situation mm-hmm. i get but yeah i don't know um down one nothing in the series they might not be able to afford uh throwing him in there in like a all right let's see how you do in this situation um so yeah i'm not sure yeah it's a little concerning for a dodgers team that's otherwise kind of coasting and back to the padres they went into that series against the dodgers with without their two top starting pitchers well Denelson lamette was never going to pitch and then mike clevenger actually tried to return uh, who missed the the division series he, he was dealing with an arm injury but really was pushing to come back started game one and left really early on like within 20 pitches and is injured again don't really know the uh the full extent of the injury still but that's not great for the padres they're basically they're two they're too young uh, and they're not even that young they're, they're two uh horses at this point in time both dealing with injury in the playoffs and we don't know about clevenger but hopefully not at all going forward so the pod this Padres team super young and dynamic we've talked about them all year long they have a they have a legitimate position player core um that you know won't have a lot of question marks regarding where their production is going to come from in in their bullpen this past year looked legitimately really good and now now the question is like what's what's the next step to get them over this hump obviously it wasn't a fair fair assessment with without having their their two best starting pitchers that that's always a good move to just get better starters and better pitching but like i don't, I don't know ray ray i'll just ask you again since you, since you're the most well versed in this in this padres uh lineup like what is what is it going to take for them to get past the dodgers at some point they just i mean <laughs> i it's just deeper starting pitching i i think they have the starters but you know that they don't have that nearly the depth you know you have clevenger you have lament who are legitimately very good you know zach davies is zach davies um he's not you know a scary guy to face uh he he's effective at times chris paddock wasn't good this year um i honestly i'm like mackenzie gore the their top i believe he's Mm -hmm. their top prospect yeah he's he's gonna be really good his stuff is gonna play from the left side funky delivery i i'm excited for him that ryan weathers kid he looks solid um he definitely could use more development he is only 20 um but they just need more starting pitching. I, I mean, the the bull, the bullpen is good, but we know the bullpens are notoriously, you know, finicky. You know, bullpen arms can come and go as they please. So mm-hmm. uh, the lineup is solid. It is young, um, but th- they'll contend for division titles, I think. But over the length of the season, the Dodgers are just – there's just that aura around them of like they're hard to beat and it's just so deep nobody can really even touch their depth um even if they tried i I think like this is a tough question to ask right now they Padres are definitely a very good team they have a lot of young and 
promising guys, and Ray mentioned some um, some of their prospects who are coming up. But I mean, the Dodgers. You look at that lineup on a in a normal year. I know some of the guys didn't play as well as um, they have in the past, but that's the Dodgers are essentially an All Star team. Like they have very very good guys, and there's a reason they're they're the best team in baseball. And it like if you ask this in any other division, I think the distance between the Padres and any other division leader would be much lower but you're asking us about the Dodgers and the Padres and that's a little tougher mm-hmm. I think the zag against you guys on this I think they're way better positioned to contend and just a cop out but I really think like we have to really analyze this in the context of an extended playoffs because that's going to be the case one way or another going forward and I think in that case they're extremely well positioned, and I think their only problem is I think they went all in um, this season pretty irresponsibly. Um, and I get it; it's always tempting, especially when you're doing you're you're having your best season in franchise history in a lot of ways. You do you want to rise out, but I mean the Clevender trade was pretty irresponsible, honestly. Fortunately, didn't smite the year, but anything too. I would argue um, that the Austin Nola trade was more irresponsible. Wait, I was going to bring that up next. Clevenger, they, got, up next. they got cheap because of Clevenger's uh, issues in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it shouldn't. It's pretty. Um, you you should be if you're trading for a guy, and he gets hurt that quickly, that should really be showing within the medical. So it, most likely, they overlooked some things. And just went, and, and I think that's just impatient. And that's I think for the fact that he pitched in that game one for no reason, it just made no sense. Like as the forearm strain, like we all, we've all seen this before. We we talked about this offline one day. Um, me, Ray, and we like we couldn't think of one guy who had a forearm strain who came back early and like <laughs> didn't get hurt again. And I I just think like you know. Well, it's about winning at the end of the day, so I'm not trying to like we're trying to win, but I, I think I think they are. I think they do enough pitching depth. I think going forward, I think Pagan's going to come into the rotation here. You know, Zach Davies. Pagan's um, not going to be really good right, this year. Right. You might be talking about Luis Patino. Oh, Patino. Sorry, thank you. Um, so I, I think you know, with the injured Clevenger, even with not a Garrett Richards corpse potentially. I think uh, I think Chris Paddock can bounce back to at least be a solid three or two starter. Um, yeah, are they going to be at this exact same level with the Dodgers as of now? No, but I mean, the you know the Dodgers dynasty that we've that's won what Ray said seven straight division eight, titles. Eight. Division titles. What, that wasn't made in a day, and they weren't you know, their best team wasn't their first year making the playoffs. And this is, you know, a team that the ownership has seen, uh, you've seen them being willing to invest. You know, they've, they've paid some big contracts to Hosmer and Machado. And I think, I think they're in a really good position to be one of the best teams in the NL for a good amount of time going forward. Yeah. Can I touch on that thing that you just finished off on for, for a moment with the contracts of Machado and Hosmer and and Will Myers and his extension even like these are all moves that we ridiculed before this year and since this season's happened all three of them having amazing years 
for them. Like you couldn't ask for anything more, and and all of a sudden those concerns go away. That's the definition of reactionary, right there. And as much as we talk about like you know you have to take the season with a grain of salt, it's a short sample. The the whole runway process was completely thrown off. The schedule was thrown off. Every everything was so different. Um, and when we take that and we say okay. Not that this season doesn't mean anything, but in terms of player performance and value, like you have to to be a little wary of that. Those are all moves that have been ridiculed by the Padres, and who's to say that these guys continue that production? That's a big if. That's a huge question mark regarding Is it? three no, of their I biggest mean, bats. Will Myers disappointing if, seasons last year. Will Myers and Manny Machado, especially, had been very productive bats for a while. So. I feel like you're being counter reactionary to a certain counter, but but yeah. we're talking we're talking and a two month sample versus basically two years of Will Myers at least basically yeah. doing nothing. The, the Padres were, were in a way supposed to be like this in 2019 in the full season, and they were competitive early on. Granted, they didn't necessarily have the pitching; they didn't have Clevenger, I guess. But um, so, you know, and Tommy Pham for most of the, you know for like half of the season, and he was yeah hurt also, anyway, yeah. so. He's oh, going to regress yeah. positively next year. So if you want to play that game, I mean... Well, look, Man- Manny Machado, probably a different level than the other two. Maybe that's we not really fair. We Manny Machado, like, hitting, you know, this season, what we expect him to be. I mean, that's what they signed him to be. That seems that seems really harsh, in my opinion. It, it may be yes. harsh on Machado, who's been great most... Who's been great pretty much all his career, except for his first year with the Padres. But with guys like Will Myers and Eric Hosmer, come on. Like, those, those guys have track records of being super inconsistent and... Oftentimes, like some some years, throwing up goose eggs basically at their positions, like that doesn't work in 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 the long term for the kinds of contracts that they have. It worked this season. That's all I'm saying is that like these aren't givens. It's, this isn't like fixtures quite to the level that the Dodgers have fixtures in their in their lineups with like MVP contenders. Um, you know, outside of Tatis, like it's a, it's a really solid team it still doesn't stack up um i think that was all that i really had to to add about the padres like if, of course their their farm system is still really really good we saw young arms but, out of their bullpen that could be starters like uh morajon and patino like they they have so much so much promise mackenzie gore i just gotta say one thing now like i'm sorry mm-hmm. but I, I just have to take offense with this regression analysis because by that same logic, <laughs> then the Dodgers aren't near as you, we think they are because, like, Max Muncy, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger all had So, I mean, like, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess that is what you're saying, that you can't count this year's analysis because it's a small sample size. But, but like, I, I mean, I, I, this I year the Dodgers aren't is... good. Like, it, I feel like that's just inconsistent analysis. Like, you can't have the Dodgers be still the best team in the league this year when all their players and their lineup underperformed but because the Padres overperformed then it's not legit like do we really know either way I'm I'm all about sample size usually but that just seems like aggressive like uh, pessimism to me I think what he's saying is that the Dodgers are more known commodities where this was more of a big evaluation year for the Padres and it's really hard to evaluate this year and given what we know about the Padres players. All like, I'm saying is if Jake, like, Cronenworth, regression candidate, Eric Hosmer and Will Myers, yes, have had some really disappointing seasons recently, but also have a track record of being effective bats. So 
I don't think it makes sense just to assume they could never be valuable players ever again in their careers. That just seems that's putting that words in my mouth. Enough. That was never said. I just said yeah. that all the concerns, all the concerns entering this year. My point was that all the concerns entering this year dissipated based on this two-month season, and I don't think that should have happened. I think the concerns still exist. Also, the Dodgers having underperformers and still making the playoffs and getting to where they are. If anything, that's like the opposite of the point. Is like, well, the Dodgers should have been better by that logic. And I wasn't, I didn't even really touch on the Dodgers regression candidates. Like they have some positive regression candidates, if anything. So, yeah, I, I think, I think the analysis is there so long as it's not twisted into the Padres are doomed because these guys crazy overperformed. That wasn't the point. The point was that they had kind of, they all essentially had career seasons and the concerns that existed before this year should not have just gone away just like that. All right, let's, I think that's enough with the Padres um, because the, the next team that we want to talk about also has a lot of um, very interesting uh, franchise construction outlook this, um, that needs to be talked about due to recent news. So the Astros beat the Athletics in the Division Series, and the A's put up an okay fight. They came, they came back in Game 3 down early and, and showed some resolve, but the Astros' offense was just too good. They, they steamrolled them, essentially. And, you know, the A's can't really seem to find any postseason su- success. You know, through all these years, uh, it remains the same. Billy Bean is leaving the A's, though. Um, and he's going into more of the, um, like, the sports uh, business world. Um, and uh, his, his group, Red Bull Capital, is... I'd never heard of them before, but apparently um, this is a direction that he's decided to go. He's he's had enough of running the A's. He's done a great job for many, many years. Um, and if any of you have seen Moneyball and, and Brad Pitt's depiction of him, like, um, you know, that's that's a pretty, uh, pretty big light shined upon him, a pretty uh, positive light. So what's... Um, what's what's up with the A's now like everybody can kind of acknowledge what Billy Bean has done has been good for the A's and and good for baseball you know dating back a while now but now the question is is where do the A's go from here do they do they remain the same team like I I really don't know that that's it's kind of a question that's that's hard to answer but I'm gonna ask it anyway so like I'll ask you first Farbode what what do you think I think uh I think yes they will theoretically remain the same team because they whoever comes in next will still have the same financial restraints but i'm wondering how how they will choose to um tackle that tackle that challenge because um billy bean certainly not only just moneyball might moneyball for the sake of moneyball um billy bean himself just had a very unique way of building this team and obviously it ended up being much more successful in the regular season than the postseason but I mean, I'm more so wondering one, uh, how different is the is whoever comes in next going to handle what's going on? I mean, they're still going to be a, a pretty solid team next year. Pitching, um, they got some young studs there, but pitching overall could use a little bit of help. Um, I'm also interested what this means for Bob Melvin because Billy Bean and Bob Melvin have been um, together for a while now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
really it, it kind of just throws a wrench into the, the whole structure of their their upper management their their front office their everything because billy bean was the center point of that and i i think i, I agree with what you said all, all the foundation is there and maybe that not much will change with regards to like their player acquisition and their analytics or whatever else you have um but certainly will will cause some rifts uh maybe throughout just like the people that are around there um i'll ask you too rudy just with with billy being yeah, gone King Ibsen to provide my take i actually don't think it's gonna matter at all billy bean okay uh, hasn't been a gm for a couple of years now um david forced is i think this has been a transition that's been long in the making if i know anything about billy bean he didn't just suddenly decide to depart um he's already been branching out to other sports especially soccer um, he's an advisor for a club in the netherlands um and he does some other work outside of baseball that he's been part of for a while at this point so I think this was kind of a long um, ways in the making. He was just waiting for the right opportunity um, to cash in, essentially, uh, a joint $2 billion fund. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, might be a good stock option. <laughs> and I think they'll be fine, personally. I don't think Billy Bean's methodology is something that was magic, exclusive to Billy Bean. Certainly, he was one of the best at it, and he was the progenitor. But, you know, you see the Rays, obviously doing pretty similar stuff and being extremely successful. You know, the Dodgers and the Yankees trying to apply, especially the Dodgers, there's more, um, you know, taking money ball philosophy and applying money to it, um, to domination. Um, so I, and I think what I do agree with you guys, though, I think the team is still in a pretty good position, and I don't – I think they are where they are. I don't think this, was, this team sure is best next year. I'm, I'm totally going to buy that hedge. Um, I, I don't see how... I mean, the, the AL West isn't looking incredible next year either way, but, I mean, as usual, they're a team made of spare parts and random veterans in a lot of places that usually it's impossible to predict their value. But I do think they have one thing that is going to make them competitive for a long time. I think that is, once again, they have... Uh, a large quantity of pretty dependable youngish arms. I think between mm -hmm. Rosardo, Montes, Manea, Bassett, Puke, if all those guys stay healthy. Did you just say Puke? And, it's Puck. Yeah, AJ Puck? Puke. AJ Puke. You know, all those guys are healthy and competing. You know, that's, that's a rotation that's always going to make you a team that's at least decent. So, I don't be interested to see if um, our friend Chris Davis can have another 247 year. Seems may not be at the end of the road there, but they're the A's. They'll figure it out, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they always seem to find the right pieces. And uh, I am really excited to see AJ Puke as well uh, because he is ready. Other, it just it just had health problems. Um, that he's I, was, I was always like considering like are they mainly a team to build it mean mainly built to win in the regular season but also i mean when you consider the people the um the prospects they have the players they have um when you consider just the injuries to like matt chapman this year and everything this team can be very good next year and uh, if if all goes well health-wise 
Well, can I ask a question? I want to hear Ray's opinion on the A's too. So I'm sorry I preempted, but if you guys didn't have, you know, go ahead um, first if you have a take you want to give. But do you guys think that Moneyball? Do you think Billy Bean was a complete success, even though he never really had the playoff um, accomplishments, or do we think he just did so much with such limited resources that it doesn't it doesn't really matter? And maybe just his methodology can only. Do I don't so think much it doesn't matter. I think I think it was he could only do so much with what he had. I mean, we saw at least from what I've been noticing, there was a pattern with the A's teams and. Uh, you have a they have a young star. They are normally on their team for the first couple of years into arbitration, and then once the once their like arbitration is heading into their fourth fifth year and getting close to free agency too, um, they trade them because that's a little bit too much to pay for one guy. So and then they go maybe into like a year of rebuilding, but then they're back at it the following year. So they're all they've always been competitive. They they have the restraints that they have, but. I mean, I think Billy Bean did a pretty fine job. Obviously, he didn't. He never made it past anything. But I can't st- sit here as an Angel fan and say Billy Bean wasn't successful <laughs> if we haven't done anything since, and we have the best player in the world. I mean, it's all about how you measure success. And I mean, the ultimate goal is to win a World Series, and they didn't do that. So he's not a complete su- success on that end. Um, Agreed. It'll. I mean, again, Moneyball is kind of the way to go. Now nowadays, I'm sure Oakland has money to pay you guys, like, because you know, are you gonna let Chapman and Olsen and guys like that walk? Um, they have in the past. They have. Yeah, they, they have let Josh Donaldson walk. Well, they traded him. But um, but yeah, I mean, they have, in a way, you know, sustained relevancy. But you know, this was their first division title since 2013. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So, they they're kind of on the edges, but they, you know, they've never really gone for it one year. They make some trades, they got lesser that one year, but they they're always fun and competitive. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. But but you know, how long are you going to tolerate that before you decide? You know, let's try to win a World Series. Mm-hmm. It seems like that 2014 get, team get a, get a piece that that uh can actually win us a World Series because those young those young arms are great. But, you know, we saw this postseason, they didn't really work out. Um, so are you going to get, you know, a guy who can be your 2-3 guy but has, you know, postseason experience? Uh, are you going to get, like, you know, the Astros picking up a Verlander? Maybe not even as good as Verlander, but, you know, are you going to get uh, a guy like that and not just rely on your young arms who some of them this year proved they didn't have it so far? It seems like they are back in 2014 when they uh... – um, when they traded for Lester and Samarja, they assumed like that was going to be like their like that was their win now move, and obviously it didn't work out for them down the road. But when it seems like they're always a team that could use like a Dave Dombrowski type move of like let's win now because we have the com- we have the pieces to be competitive, but we need a couple more um, pieces to get over that hump, and they never got over that hump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, they really. I, I'm a big fan of consistently putting a good product on the field, and I think there is a level of success that that indicates. Obviously, you need to do it in the playoffs. And 
his legacy is going to be much more than just what happened with the A's, right? Like you mentioned, it's it's about how this approach, this small market team approach kind of became applied everywhere because it's just plainly more efficient than traditional scouting. Um, and, you know, did he, did he solve the, uh, the whole analytics game? Like, no, there's still a lot that has changed since Moneyball was first implemented, and it hasn't completely phased out the eye test either, because baseball sense and knowledge and scouting still matters, and, and and that's just that's just how it is. Player development is is like the next big thing there, and how else do you get that? You can't you can't throw numbers at somebody to make them a better baseball player, so. You know, all all these things remain. Billy Bean's legacy is really good, and the A's are are in a good position to move forward. They they are, and it remains to be seen if they can actually retain some players or if they're going to continue the track record of trading away their their arbitration or like pre you know trade away their their star players before they hit free agency and and try to to reinvest those those assets so to speak. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. All right. Well, this this is why I put this this last division series here to make sure that we don't go on too long <laughs> because um, <laughs> because I, I'm sure we could talk plenty about this. But the Rays did beat the Yankees in the only five game division series matchup uh, of of this set this year. Um, they did take it three to two. Aroldis Chapman in the eighth inning of Game Five gave up the game winning home run to Mike Brasso, who earlier in the year got a fastball that whistled above his noggin from Chapman and caused a lot of uh, a lot of tensions to flare and Kevin Cash to definitely lose his cool. Um, and this was, if if nothing else, a, a big revenge blow for for the Rays, uh, at least against Chapman anyway. Bitter bitter rivals now. Uh, it seems with the Rays, the Yankees, but it was still pretty fun, fun to see all all of that go down. And now, of course, everybody's rooting for the Rays to beat the Astros because, fuck the Astros. All right, let's let's talk yeah. about let's talk about the um. Oh, actually, before we talk about the Yankees, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one more thing about Randy Arozarena, who had quite the coming out party. Um, he went eight for nineteen in this series, and hit 421, 476, 895 with a homer in each of the first three games against the Yankees. That was obviously a big factor there. They essentially got a star caliber player contribution from a guy who who's a rookie, first of all, missed half the season because he was sick with COVID-19 early on and just destroyed the ball down the stretch and in the playoffs, and now they have a new star. Apparently, uh, we'll we'll see how how well that sticks with a with a bigger sample as we've talked about. But let's talk Yankees now because you know the Rays they're good. We've, we've talked about them. They're still in it. We're watching them still. But the Yankees just could not get it done this year with what they had. They they looked outmatched, especially when it came to the bullpen. Rudy, what's What's the the off season play for the Yankees here? Because they they always have the means to do something. So what is it? What's the priority here? 
I think the first move has to for sure just be resigning DJ LeMahieu and make sure you lock him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you, the Yankees have no excuse not to resign, um, resign the AL batting title uh, winner, even though you know it was in this strange season, obviously. Um, but so, I mean, he was awesome the year before too. It's not like his style of hitting should age so destructively um, either. He's a big guy who hits for contact. Um, I think he should have, you know, two or three great more years, hopefully still left. You know, one thing that's good for the Yankees, uh, and, you know, the cop-out excuse I'm going to say is that, you know, one, like you just said, their bullpen was outmatched, and in general their pitching was just, um, did not perform, except for Garrett Cole, essentially, and strangely Jordan Montgomery, of all people. And, you know, they are getting, in theory, Severino back next year. You know, he has barely, I don't think he's even really pitched in two years, so he's a wild card in. They are unfortunately also probably going to have Domingo Herman back, who, you know, that's a question of morality if you really should be pitching for them. But at the end of the day, he is a good youngish arm. Clearly, you know, guys like, you know, a guy like Canely was missed. He's going to be out for the season probably next year as well with Tommy John, Odovino. Didn't seem like the same guy he was before the season. And Chapman, you know, is I think the only pitcher in history to give up a home run in three elimination games in the ninth inning or something like that. Some crazy stat along those lines. Um, or three of his fast, last five postseason appearances have been that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be about signing pitching and adding, adding more depth in that way. I think the offense... You know, I feel like we say this, but about the Yankees up here, the offense is fine. I mean, as long as they're healthy. I mean, I was I was saying this in um, during the Indian series. You know, if Stanton wanted to sit out the whole year and just be healthy for the playoffs and hit five home runs every postseason, you know, through six games or whatever, seven games, I would be totally happy with that. I could, <laughs> I would not complain at all. So, I complain a little bit. Paying <laughs> <laughs> that much money for playoffs. I think, yeah, the Yankees can do it. You know, they're the evil empire. I mean, I think the Yankees do have some positives from this year. Boyd's performance, uh, Clint Frazier. But, I mean, yeah, the, the the I really do agree with Uri that, like, they never – it never felt like they were in control of that series ever. Even winning game one, it always felt like the, – the Rays' confidence just in their dugout was a different level. They were so loose. They knew that they had nothing to lose. And I, I the last thing I'll say about my rant, and then I'll stop about it. I think a lot of blame has been placed, at least by Yankee fans, on the Game Two opener decision to replace Debbie Garcia with J.A. Half after one inning. And I was doing that at first too, but I think at the end of the day, it's not so much as the Yankees made one move that ended the series. That was just one game after all, but it was that. Tactically, I just I just felt like they never they were trying to outstretch their resources, and they just probably never had the pitching depth to play the, the way that they really wanted to. You really saw that in that last game, bringing in Chapman. They only used three pitchers in that last game, and that was just they not felt- a team with aspirations of winning the World Series, and their resources should be having to do in an elimination game. They felt constrained. It, it, it felt like they, they weren't able to trust a lot of their guys um, that they had going out there, which 
frankly, they probably didn't. You know, guys like Loisega just straight up aren't ready. And like you said with Hap, like, people are talking about how it's it's overmanaged or whatever. Like, would you have felt better if Jay Hap just came in in the first inning and started giving up runs instead? Like, what's the difference? The guys have to go out there and, and get the job done, no matter what. So <laughs> there's, there's, of course, going to be a lot of backlash. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, uh, we don't need to talk more about the Yankees future because their future is the same they will spend money they will acquire the wow. right players and they, we just have to see if things click yeah do you guys think there's a future where gary sanchez returns to being <laughs> a positive contributor because as of the past two seasons he's essentially a negative and you know when he's not hitting at you know, an all-star level as position, you know, he, his defensive contributions are obviously much more wide. So do you guys think he's someone who is capable of making adjustments and we can see him returning to maybe not quite the levels he first showed even, but, you know, being a quality contributor and one of the, you know, an above average catcher, or do you think that ship has sailed and he kind of is what he is at this point? I mean, it's definitely possible. It's going to take work. And I have, I, we have to see the results. He's not going to get another chance to hit 160 or whatever he hit this year. Um, he's just not going to. So it's it, it's got to happen or else he's done. And in that case, you know, oh, well, he did provide us some pretty good moments and some pretty good production early on in his career. And it, it just it's it's a hard it's too hard a game to to kind of not get not get better he's getting worse that that's that's the phrase right if you're not getting better you're getting worse so he can definitely do it he's super talented he still hits the ball incredibly hard he just needs to stop striking out all the time really that's what it comes down to so yeah um we will be talking about all these teams and much more as we get into the off season and talk about the free agent pools and and everything that, that will happen in the offseason. That is where we thrive. Um, we were going to talk about the NBA bubble. I don't think we have enough time to really get into it, but we, we should just acknowledge at least that that whole NBA bubble situation was extremely fun to watch. Congrats to the Lakers again. And, man, no, they had no positive tests the entire time that they were there. They they took the time to, to implement the, the safety precautions that were needed and they didn't take any half measures, it seemed, with regards to safety. So that's how it should have been done. Uh, Major League Baseball, and I've seen this on broadcast too, where people are like commending Major League Baseball to how they how they responded to, to all the adversity throughout the season. This was a case where you had months to prepare contingencies and, and safety protocols. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to praise Major League Baseball from reacting to problems that propped up when you had plenty plenty of time to preempt to preemptively address these problems so that's the nba versus the mlb for me i'll I'll ask you guys as well if there were any other like side by sides that really stood out to you um, with regards to how this was handled my biggest thing the, the difference was obviously you can't fault the mlb or the NFL and everything because they NBA was two thirds of the way three uh, done with their season, so they didn't one send all their teams. The roster sizes are smaller. 
it was more logistically doable for the NBA to put everyone in one site mm-hmm. for um, three months of the se- <clears throat> three months out of the year and have them play their game. But you would, but it's just I listening to what you just said of the NBA didn't um, have any COVID um, positives. They didn't have any. Uh, they didn't take any half measures. The MLB and the uh, it feels like at least the MLB has taken a ton of half measures. They they do they release they release protocols that seem like they were for optics. They didn't, I don't think they enforced any one of their initial rules that they put out there. Um, I I'm I'm a big fan of the NBA and I'm I I think this bubble shows why the NBA is where it's at in the level of, of other professional leagues because they take all this stuff seriously and they're a very smart league with very good management yeah testament to the leadership for sure <laughs> which we've talked about at length on the MLB side of things um yeah Rudy or Ray anything anything else yeah, to add? um there was a picture yesterday of batting practice with fans there they were there were fans packed shoulder to shoulder in the first row of the stands um so yeah just i I think yeah the nba bubble worked yeah sure it was easier because there's less players per team and you only need you know three basketball courts but it's not impossible they they're doing a bubble now it's worked so far but like the fans just seems unnecessary. It's just it's all an egregious money grab. Um, it, yeah, the NBA bubble and the NHL bubble, for that matter, worked perfectly. No COVID tests from there, and you know, the MLB failed this year. They had two breakouts. Two teams did not complete their uh, their seasons fully in a sixty game season. They couldn't get sixty games in due to COVID that being the Cardinals and Tigers. So, yeah, just good job, NBA. Uh, awful job, MLB, as usual. <laughs> as usual. Uh, yeah, anything else, Rudy? No, I don't want to re- I really rehash everything I've said my piece on this before. I think you guys did a good job of summarizing. The only last thing I'll put in quickly, because I know we're going to wrap things up, is just like I think from a pure entertainment standpoint, the – Personally, I found the NBA's packaging of this season much more uh, professional and just uh, well done. They integrated social justice really well. I thought they, they really should be commended mm-hmm. yes. for how they managed to balance that with everything else going on and really standing up and for what's right and what's most important in life. You know, be I think just didn't wasn't willing to give their players that level of support in that regards unfortunately and i also just think like from a tv broadcast perspective and just presentation all around i just think the nba just does it nationally at a level of the mlb just not so that's mm-hmm. my i just yeah uh, i think that's well said um all right i think we're just about ready to wrap it up uh before we do go uh just wanted to like touch on some of the the amazing baseball legends who have, who have passed recently um it seems to have been a flurry of them um you know at least like 
with with Bob Gibson and, and Joe Morgan recently. Um, Whitey Ford. Whitey Ford. A, a lot of a lot of names, um, which you know is is always a big bummer. Um, were there any others that I, that that was just there were more from the season as well. If you have like um, a full list to to acknowledge Ray. Um, I'm trying to think. I know Tom Seaver was earlier this year as well. Yeah, Tom, Tom Seaver. Um, was it J, uh, Jay Johnston? Jay Johnston? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think we... Lou Brock. Oh, Lou Brock as well. Yeah, Lou yeah. Brock. Um, yeah, a lot of... A lot of sucks. Really, really prominent players and, and honestly legends. So, you know, rest in peace to them. And... Also, just on a much more wacky note, like Tommy Pham was a victim of a of a stabbing again. This is the second time in his life this man's been stabbed. He's he's in good health. He's he's recovered well. Was taken care of. But but my goodness, man, that's that is something else. So you know, feel better, Tommy Pham. We want to see you back out there and, and hitting baseballs. Not you know that's that's always alarming news to hear. So. Yeah, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you enjoyed it, make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And our website, BeatTheShiftBaseball.com. It's got all our podcasts, uh, articles, anything else is all there. So, without further ado, thanks, everybody, one last time. As always, Ray. Peace. Peace.